The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. The day did not start the way I wanted it to. Let us all just pour one out because I am sad to say after a very, very, very long streak, my Wordle streak died today. So I'm not feeling good about that. And I don't care what anybody says. Ever since the New York Times acquired Wordle, that game has gotten harder, damn it. I don't. I, I know all the people are saying, oh no, all the words have been pre-selected, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. The game has gotten harder and I feel dumber and I don't like it. But I'm feeling better now because we are doing the show and I'm thrilled to have my favorite person co-hosting here with me this week. Hello, Elisa. How are you? Okay. Wait, I'm your favorite person? You you are, a, oh. a, a, you know, in this, uh, in the podcasting and all. You're not going to be pleased. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you say that to all the co-hosts, Ryan. Uh, I'm as, as, as for, as for Wordle, case in point, this was a project that was born out of, I believe, a man's love for his spouse and wanted to create a game for her to play. And it blew up and he walked away with six, seven figures. Seven figures. It. Yeah. Um, we did a uh, whole story on this a few weeks ago about this of Wordle being just a amazing example of creator empowerment. Like some guy getting his bag by just like making a game for his partner that just wanting to make her feel better. And, I'm all I'm super happy for this guy whose name is Josh Wardle, by the yeah, way, which I think is hilarious. But I I swear to God, they've made that game more difficult. The words are harder now and I lost my streak. I'm in a rotten mood about it. All I'm saying, if you're a Morticia looking for your Gomez, maybe you're the missus looking for your Josh Wardle. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what we got to shoot for nowadays. That's that's, right. that's love. <laughs> I mean, I mean, paid off. love pays off. You know, like to think that like we found our special people in our lives, Elisa. But like, you know, I don't know if either of them have ever like programmed a game for us <laughs> that you know has like broken the internet and like got bought by the New York Times for seven figures. Like they need to get on that. That's what I'm saying. That's that's pretty. Um... That's 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 a hard bar to clear. It's a high standard. <laughs> like Wardle ruined it for significant others everywhere is what he did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and then a whole bunch of, you know, kids that that used to work in game development that now get to explain to their parents, "No, I can't just make a Wordle mom." <laughs> <laughs> can't just do that I can't you know that. that conversation is happening so many that's times not, right now that's not how this works at that this, just make a wordle is the new can't you just make one of those angry birds yeah and <laughs> and, and, one of those and believe me the game development community is trying there are so many wordle knockoffs going right now like i'm actually quite a fan of this game global which is g-l-o-b-l-e which really satisfies satisfies the geography b nerd in me you have to guess the country, and um, if, like, you know, you guess the country, and then you, you write down the country, and then, like, it glows on the map, and, like, the redder the country is, the closer you are to the correct country, and so it's like that. I mean, so that's, like, my new jam right now, although, like, I feel like that game's gotten harder because, like, when it started, <laughs> it was, like— France, Italy, and now it's like hitting you with like a, you know, a Burkina Faso just to mess you up. <laughs> hey, you don't have to tell me twice. I am a former AP human geography teacher whose maps have all completely leaked out of her ears at this point. <laughs> I don't know where anything is. <laughs> well, we got lots to celebrate this week, even if like these Internet games are ruining our lives because... Uh, great stuff going on this week. Our guest coming up in the next segment, Elisa, Kelsey Nicole Nelson. We go way back. She's an amazing 
sports journalist. And frankly, I'm happy to introduce you to her in the same way that like when you have two friends that you really like and you want to get them together because you feel like they're going to hit it off. Like this is what I'm thinking because you both are amazing creators. You both are great podcasters. You both love sports and entertainment. There's a lot of synergy here. I'm, I'm excited to, if for no other reason, because she's going to have lots of great advice. I'm excited for this interview just to bring you two together. I'm excited to meet her. Yeah. And uh, so she's coming up uh, after the break. And I'm also excited for this interview, frankly, because, you know, ever since we got into the live stream universe, we've, we've sort of taken on this character of wanting to expand our focus to all forms of indie creators, right? This, this show really got its start trying to, specifically cater to indie musicians. That's still a big focus of what we do. But we've understood that, like, there is a, a broader universe of indie creators out there, that the lines are blurring. You can't, you're not just a musician. You're not just a actor. Everybody's kind of doing a little bit of everything. And so we had to expand our focus. But this is the first time, to the best of my knowledge, that we've had an independent sports radio person or sports podcaster on. And I'm excited to kind of open that lane for us. Yeah, it's especially really exciting because I think you you mentioned that she was a sports podcaster, and then I think, oh, that's interesting. The sports industry still feels like it's one of those kind of old school, still got to go through it the kind of old school way. Um, and I don't necessarily hear a lot about like independent sports podcasting in the same way that you do for like, you know, video games or movie reviews or other forms of media. So I'm super excited to hear more. You're absolutely right in that respect that, you know, the the idea of like the you know, breaking of the business in sports is still not as far along as it is in, say, music or in other fields. But you're starting to see it. And it's a really exciting development, right? The, the rise of independent sports media where you don't have to go through ESPN or Fox or CBS to stake out a lane for yourself. And I think there's a really great example of that in our own, in, in our hometown oh, in the form of Meadowlark Media, right? Yeah, and, 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 I, and I was going to be like, I would have brought up Meadowlark, except a lot of those are former ESPN folks, right? Yeah. So it's like they still had to kind of go through the old school system and then eventually kind of make their way out and forge their own lane. So I'm kind of curious as to like somebody who's like, did it that way from the beginning like kind of really forging their own paths i'm excited to hear it yeah can't wait to hear her story yeah she, she really did kind of build it from the ground up she's gotten to work with a lot of really great sports teams and organizations fascinated to hear her story she also has a great like nonprofit kit like a kick i actually met her in the education field like she did a lot of work with the education nonprofits that i work with and then i found out on the side that like in addition to doing this amazing stuff in education she's also the super cool sports person and has just made that an even bigger part of her life in the last few years and has done some really cool things we're going to talk to her all about it first though elisa i want to talk to you about uh, a subject area that you have some familiarity it with and you do some creating in this space and that's uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which is not yeah. something that I do with a great degree of regularity. Although on paper, it really does seem like something that should have passed through my life at some point. Like that's that was a re it was a miss on my part. And maybe it's not too late. Maybe I'm just going to bloom no. late into my Dungeons and Dragons life. But I, I want to talk about Dungeons and Dragons because the other day I was scrolling through Amazon Prime looking for something to watch because I just... I just uh, burned through, um, you know, I've caught up on Righteous Gemstones, so I got to find something else to enjoy now. And I, and are, are you caught up on your Mrs. Maisel? Um, the new season starts like this week, right? Or next oh, week? Oh, yes. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, I'm all like, uh, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert three, two, one. Yeah, Shy Baldwin left her at the airport, and that's the last thing I heard. Don't tell me you haven't caught up. I haven't caught up. But I mean, oh, it's no. It's you, you were talking to me like you were caught up. Sorry. Anyway, so I'm looking for a new show to watch. And like I'm seeing the previews on Amazon Prime for this like cartoon looking show. And I was like, this looks kind of interesting. Um, don't watch a lot of adult animation, but like this seems like it could be kind of cool. It's sort of an animation style that's like a little bit of kind of anime, but also sort of looks like Avatar, The Last mm. Airbender a little bit. It's it's an engaging animation. And I could tell from the previews, I'm like, the voice acting on this is <laughs> tremendous. And so, like, I'm going to give it a shot. And and the show is called Vox Machina. Mm -hmm. And I've seen about three or four episodes of it so far. And I am hooked. And again, like, I don't do a lot of, uh, I don't do a lot of, 
you know, adult animation, although like I've, I've gotten into it more lately. But this show is is amazing. It hooks you right away. And again, the voice acting absolutely grabs you. And so naturally, like any show that I get into, like, I, I don't know if you're like this, too, Elisa. I need to know everything about this show. Like, I need to go pound the Wikipedia page. I want to know how this came together. I want to know the whole production process. I want to know how it got greenlit. And and so I did this for Vox Mahina, and the story of how it came together did not disappoint and actually has turned out to be a pretty amazing story of indie creator empowerment. So let me let me catch you let me catch everybody up on this cuz I'm sure many of the people listening out there know more about critical role than I do cuz I've had to like learn about them in the last 2 days to prep for this episode <laughs> and most people are like how do you know not know what critical role is Ryan how familiar are you with critical role Elisa So I'm definitely familiar in name I have not actually consumed any critical role content critters do not come at me <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to consume on the internet and i'm a, but one human um but i do know that they are probably um i would say a kind of blueprint flagship torchbearer um in terms of m- the mainstreaming of actual play D podcasts um to to kind of an absurd uh degree um and it's it's very impressive what they've put together, but also not surprising that you would call out the voice acting in this particular thing, because I think one of the reasons that it is so successful, more than, say, your average D&D table on a Wednesday night or whatever, is that these are all very talented voice actors and other actors in their own right um, that are creating a pretty cool entertainment experience. That's right. Um, and that that's so so Vox Mahino was created by this group Critical Role Productions or Critical Role LLC. And Critical Role got started, as Elisa noted, th- uh, th- with the idea being, let's do one of these broadcasting tabletop Dungeons and Dragons games that are very popular now. Um, and I think uh, you're actually part of one uh with the uh with the film joy folks right and that's um and so i I do want to give you a chance to talk about that because again that's that's the whole theme (laughs) of this right so but anyway um but like what they wanted to do as sort of a, a different twist on it is let's get professional voice actors you know like who do animated cartoons and everything so that like the voices will be like super amazing and stick in your head and it worked so like critical role and their their first kind of quest that they went on that they broadcasted called Vox Machina was a massive hit and the the the, the game became or the uh, channel became very popular right away uh so much so that today like uh, a few weeks ago when the the leak came out of where all the TikTok or all the Twitch accounts got leaked and how much money they were making Critical Role is actually the number one money making account people are obsessed with this and this was a completely independently built operation. There's no big company behind this. Is a bunch of voice actors who got together. They have an LLC that they all collectively own. It's got a lot of employees now because it's quite the little operation. <laughs> and the reason why Vox Machina came into my life on Amazon Prime is a, an amazing story in creator empowerment. So once this thing became big and it had this massive audience, they said, you know, people really love this Vox Machina quest that we did. This would be a really cool uh, cartoon, like a like a series or a movie or something. And so they did what a lot of people want to do when they want to shop a project around. They go to all the networks, right? Hey, we got this thing. Uh, would you want to produce it? And they get turned down everywhere because no, you know, because like no, I don't think people realized what kind of fan base Critical Role had. They're just like, okay, these are a bunch of nerds on Twitch that that play D anD D together. We're not going to greenlight their animated series. And so they're like, okay, fine. If we can't get anybody to do this show for us, we're going to do it ourselves. So they do a Kickstarter campaign where they tell their fan base, their rabid, devout, we'll do anything for you. What are they called? Critters Critters. fan base. (laughs) They tell the Critters, we want to kickstart a 22-minute animated short of one part of this Vox Machina story that we did. And all the people that were the voice actors who played all the characters, they're going to reprise their roles in this animated series. And they had a very ambitious goal of $750,000. That's, I've, I mean, the Kickstarters I work with with artists, 15000 20000 yeah. So $750,000. This is, this is shooting for the moon. They raised that 
in less than a day. <laughs> from their, fa- they raised a million dollars within a day. Um, sorry, no, they raised a million dollars within an hour of launch. Let me, my apologies. <laughs> they raised four million by the end of the day, and then got to eleven million by the time the campaign closed. At which point they went, oh. Maybe this isn't just one 22-minute episode. Maybe this is an entire season. And so they make a 10-episode season. And so now they go, now they're feeling real big shot, right? Like now they're gonna go back to the networks and say, hey, can we make this show with you? Now it's hey, we've got this show. Would you like to pay us an unconscionable amount of money for the streaming rights? <laughs> And so Amazon said, yes, please. (laughs) Clearly you got something here. Oh, and also, here's a little extra money. Go make two more of them. Oh, and we'll go ahead and greenlight your second season. And we're going to bring in a bunch of top-notch Hollywood actors like Stephanie Beatriz uh, to uh, fill in all of the other characters in your little world. And And so now this group of voice actors who started this company, they built themselves have put this really amazing operation together. They have a bunch of employees. They got a two-season deal with Amazon. They've created a really amazing animated series, and they built a rabid fan base. To me, it's an amazing story in creator empowerment. And they passed my ultimate test, because one of the things that I like to do when indie creators purport to have like a really well-put-together operation is I check the USPTO, the Patent and Trademark Database, Because I want to see how well they are at registering their trademarks. Because I know it doesn't sound like a big deal, right? But you, but in, but from this lawyer, take it from me, a you know a independent creator group has their bleep together when they've actually taken the time to register trademarks, like in the name of their organization. Mm. And so I was like, let me see if Critical Role passes the trademark test. If this group of of this indie creator owned company, uh, you know, register their trademarks. They have 56 trademark registrations. Wow. So, like, they registered Critical Role, right? They registered Vox Mahina. They registered the name of, like, some of their other campaigns. And then, mm-hmm. like, every, like, catchphrase that their characters came up with, yes. they're registering trademarks and making merchandise out of them. So, like, needless to say, they're on top of their stuff. And I am so amazed by what they've put together. There's so many great lessons in this about what you can do when you've built a fan base and you not having to be beholden to a larger content company. And basically what I'm trying to say is I'd like to work for them (laughs) (laughs) if possible. And like, I'm kicking myself. We had Jason Charles Miller on the show uh, about a year ago who did the music for critical role. Like we should bring him back and see if like, you know, they need a lawyer, but they don't because they clearly can, (laughs) they clearly know how to register 56 trademarks on their own. I think, I think they're doing, I think they're doing okay. I would say so. <laughs> and I'm so unbelievably proud of them, though. Yeah, calling uh, calling out uh, someone in the chat. By the way, please watch the show live um, a- across several platforms if you can, if you're currently listening to this on the podcast. But one of our live chatters is pointing out that sometimes they reach up to 15,000 concurrent viewers. Just 15,000 people. Well, we do, too, in. but we don't like to brag about it. Well, <laughs> you know, like... You know, us us super popular Twitch accounts, like we don't like to we don't like to toot our own horns too much. You know, we let our we let our fans do that, you know, for it's, us. It's 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 bananas what they've been able to put together. And it's 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 difficult and also, you know, it, it should be kind of, you know, yes, inspiring, but at the same time, you know, these are incredibly talented people um a lot of folks you know kind of like looking at credits have worked on you know a lot of the same games and voice acting and they've 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 been doing this for a hot second and also to wit you know folks that are cool and folks that are voice actors especially folks that are kind of coming up in the nerd space like yeah we you know we 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 all kind of grew up doing this stuff yeah Anyway, so it's, you know, it's it's also not that you you could just be like, I'm just going to start playing D&D and sticking a camera on and, and, oh, it's, gonna, and this is how I'm going to make my money. <laughs> well, and, and, and we don't and, and certainly we don't want to discount like what they've done. Right. This is a this is a very talented group of people and they put a lot of thought and attention to detail in creating a piece of co- an extended content offering that uh, that deserves every fan they've accumulated but i just love that we live in a world where those people get to be the boss and are getting you know and and are getting paid on the profit side as opposed to you know in in a different world 20 years ago all of these people are just anonymous cartoon voice actors 
who are maybe the voice of like characters you love, but you never they know they don't get to be celebrities in their own right. They don't get to uh, the level of success they have now. And now they get to be like really cool, valuable household names. And as uh, as one of the commenter notes, like they're making Dungeons and Dragons cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's awesome. And and I mean, what what I love is that um, not so much their their success kind of being like a beacon but i feel like you know between things like critical world but also the 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 kind of i almost feel like it's sort of like metallica and megadeth and and i and i do not want to pit like shows against each other at all and this is so not how it should work even though people kind of treat it like that um but like i listen to the adventure zone uh which is the the mcelroy family of podcasters their actual play DD podcast um and that's kind of like my DD show of choice and then there's another awesome show called rivals of Waterdeep um that's also been coming up and it's like all of these awesome shows like now 20. there's there's a whole bunch of them for you to choose from and and to be able to see you know friends at the table there's like a whole bunch of of actual play shows that are kind of either concurrent alongside critical role but maybe in the wake of critical role that now because of this popularity now all of those might might have a chance to to shine too so i'm super excited for people to like keep digging like oh once oh if you like this keep going there's way more cool awesome actual play DD stuff out there and think about what it means for legacy production companies right so like you think of the superhero movies right when when iron man becomes a massive hit what happens like all of the all the all the film production companies start mining every comic book they can find to make a movie out of it. Like we'll give the guardians of the galaxy a movie. Nobody's heard of this. That's fine. They're going to get three movies, big hero, six giant, like fluffy robot, whatever. We're making a movie out of that. We're going to sell the toys. And, and I feel like it could be the same thing with D and D campaigns, right? Like, you know, Vox Mahina was an actual campaign that these voice actors did that, you know, there was probably like hundreds of hours that they condensed into a six hour season. And like may- maybe the, the next great, uh, mine of IP, the next treasure trove of IP that all these production companies are going to start going after are these amazing D and D campaigns that some of these platforms are used are creating. Yeah, which it's, is exciting. It's a super prospect. exciting time, and also <laughs> like you know, it's playing D and D is 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 some of the most fun, absolute chaotic fun you could potentially have with your friends, depending <laughs> on your alignment. <laughs> Again, I can imagine. And speaking of that, like I before we move to the next topic, I would, you know, please let us like tell us about the pro- the project that you do. I want to get people into this and behind this cuz if if you're involved, like I know your character is going to be uh, pretty dazzling and well. And and you and you probably put a lot of work into the character development, probably way more than everybody else. Ryan, what if I told you <laughs> that all of the characters that we play on youtube.com/hotquest um, on the actual play D&D podcast, Hot Quest. Um, uh, they're all versions of us five years into the future and and five apocalypses from now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> having survived, I think, four apocalypses, we're now on our fifth. We've learned some skills, but it's basically all kind of beefed up versions of the film joy crew that you might know from a Deep Dive and movies with Mikey fame, etc. Um, we all get together. And we play D&D, and it was a a thing that we did because we couldn't get together and record Deep Dive during um, the kind of early months of, of the panorama. Um, and we're like, well, what do we do? Well, we could play D&D together online. Um, and then that kind of turned into its own show um, with, with really fun animation. And at one point, um, uh, there is a, a role. Ryan, you would appreciate this. Um, there is a portion of Hot Quest that does take place in a bowling alley. And it's very critical. <laughs> it's a very critical part of the story, and it does take place at a bowling alley. And there is, there are roles for bowling. Yeah. I just wanted you to know that. <laughs> and they're critical. So that's, um, that's, that's my elevator pitch for Hot Quest. And people can check this out where? Um, let me let me verify, like, literally in real time that I'm giving the URL correctly. <laughs> because wouldn't that be? Yes, it is YouTube.com slash hot quest very cool awesome awesome yeah 
I, I, I'm, I'm getting into this world now. I think this is all utterly fascinating as a, as a outside observer of just the trends uh, in indie creation. Like, how could I not be impressed by everything that's going on? Before we take a break, I, I want to play you one more thing, Elisa. So okay. uh, here's one of the things about Gen Z that really <laughs> fascinates me. And mm. it is their gift for pithiness, I guess is the word I'm looking for, uh, to, to condense things down to its most subatomic granular level. Uh, case in point, six years ago, I wrote a book called Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, 15 or so chapters about how, why record deals are bad and why artists need to run away from them and find success on their own terms. A lot of words, a lot of chapters. It took me a long time to lay this case out. Today, we have Gen Zers on TikTok who basically took what I said in 15 chapters and like basically condensed it down to 90 incredible seconds of why major label deals are a disaster. So enter uh, artist and TikToker Primer, who uh, did this hilarious video. I'm going to have Lauren play it in just a second. But just to let people know what's going on, uh, this, uh, this creator is going to be using this treasured TikTok art form where they do like the two-sided conversation, but they play both characters. You know what I'm talking about? And they just like flip the camera back and forth. And then to make it like further hilarious, both characters have the same voice. <laughs> like they yes. don't even try to, because that's like the thing now. But you'll be able to realize in this viewing, even if you're just listening to this on the radio, you'll know which one the artist is and which one the label is from this video. So uh, can you go ahead and, and play this for us, Lauren? That's why we want to sign you. We're a major label and you've gained our attention by building an audience, creating a lot of buzz, and even one of your songs has gone viral. Oh wow, this is the moment that every musician dreams of. A major label wants to sign me? How much are you offering? Two million dollars. Two million dollars? I can't even conceptualize having that much money at once. Well, you won't be getting all of that money up front at once. You'll be getting paid out over time for every album you complete after you complete it. How many albums will I have to complete in my contract? Six. Six albums, that's a lot, but one album every two years, that comes out to be about a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars a year, plus album sales and streaming money, that's a livable wage. Well, you won't be getting any money from album sales or streams. What? <laughs> yeah, we will own the masters to your music, and that two million dollars isn't a salary, it's an advance, so that'll just go into the budget of all your records and then be considered recoupable funds. So I'll use that money to make the albums and live off of? <laughs> correct. And then I'll have to pay it back with album sales? That's correct. So it's kind of just like a loan? Um, yeah, that's correct. But I'm already building my audience, creating buzz, and going viral without a label. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, so here's the thing. I, I, I've got to the point in my legal practice where... I don't review record deals anymore because it makes me so upset. But I actually did review a Sony deal for a client uh, a few weeks ago. And it's like the last one I did. And I swear to God, it was like one of those heist movies where, you know, like the guy's been like had a bad experience with a heist, but like you're trying to get him back for one last big score. Like that's what this was. The client was, you know, <laughs> we, I, I heard you were the best record deal reviewer around. Take a drag from his cigarette. That was a long time ago. <laughs> but she got I'm me back into man. it. What was that? I'm a different man now. I'm a different man. But like before, but before I was willing to review that record deal for that client, I did what I did with every artist that I've reviewed a record deal for, which is I would send them a copy of my book. And I'd be like, read this. If you get through this and still think this is a good idea, I will review this record deal for you. <laughs> But now I have a new approach. In lieu of sending the 15-chapter book that's going to take a long time to read, I think that TikTok about covers it. Kind of seals it. I, I mean, mean, she hits every single point. You know, that, like, the advance is broken up over a bunch of hours, a bunch of albums, and you won't see most of that advance because, like, you'll never get to album three or four because the, the label will keep you stuck in, like, album two for the rest of your life. 
You can't make any money off your music. You don't own your masters. The advance isn't an advance because it's a loan because they're going to recoup it out of your royalties. Uh, the you know you're not keeping most of that money because it's got to pay for the recording costs. Like it's a, I mean Gen Zers are so good at just getting down to brass tacks, man. I love it. I mean, hey, you know, it's it's a it's it's a generation that had vine in utero, so you know we're 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 you know, <laughs> used to condensing things and you know sixty seconds or less. It's it's wild hearing that, especially when it's distilled down just like that. I was chasing that <laughs> like 10, 15 years ago, and I'm like, why? <laughs> why though? <laughs> None of that is attractive. Yeah. And she didn't even mention like the 360 component where it's like, okay, all of the money outside of your record deal, merchandising, songwriting, live performances, like too. labels taking that stuff too. Yeah. By and the way. just, but like, uh, just, um, and like she looked, she looked young. Right. So mm -hmm. like she's, which is amazing. Cause like I, it took me going to law school and reading a bunch of books and reading dozens of soul-crushing record contracts throughout my legal career to understand this stuff and she got it like that so like not only is she like really good at expressing this stuff and condensing it down and making it easy to consume but like she was able to grasp this stuff at a very young age which is so impressive yeah i think it's i mean it's 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 a generation that grew up, you know, our generation, you know, like got screwed. Yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're, they have grown up basically questioning every system, every single person that has ever told them this is the way it's always been done. That, that does not exist <laughs> for this generation. And we are all the more thankful for it. And we are absolutely benefiting <laughs> it's it's so so exciting and i love it yeah i encourage people to check uh, uh she's at primer on spotify and things like that because in addition to just providing amazing tiktok commentary her music kind of slaps too so you, you might want to check her out just for that and so and you know she gave us like 10 minutes of content to laugh about so the least you can do is check her out on spotify <laughs> um all right let us take the quickest of breaks and be joined by Kelsey Nicole Nelson right here on Break the Business. Do not go anywhere. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. You can check us out at Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch, and Twitter Live on all major podcast platforms and Sirius XM Channel 145, wherever you're checking us out. We are so, so happy to have you here. Ryan Carella joined by Elisa Rock Doc, and we are just having an absolute blast. We spent the first half of this show talking all about Dungeons & Dragons. So naturally, the, the most obvious transition point is to go right into sports. 
from 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 fantasy to fantasy football. Oh, know? there you go. And I think your example is the best of this, Elisa, because you play in all these spaces and have a good time. Whether it is whether it is D and D fantasy or fantasy foot, football, you are you work in all time zones for sure. I'm a I'm a pop culture cuisine art, as Weird Al used to say. That's right. And and I think our our guest would fit that bill as well. She is an award-winning sports journalist and radio host who has covered sporting events from Super Bowls to NBA championships and everything in between. She is the host of Listen In with KNN on the Fox Sports Radio and has served on the broadcast team for the Washington Commanders NFL franchise. You can find out more about her work by visiting www.kelseynicolenelson.com and www.booksbreakingborders.com. We are happy to welcome Kelsey Nicole Nelson on to Break the Business. Hello, Kelsey. Good to see Hi. you. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I love the transition that you all did from <laughs> fantasy and Dungeons and Dragons to fantasy sports. So I'm glad I could slide in and just it, it, enjoy this conversation that you guys have been having. <laughs> seemed like just a natural kind of you know progression. It was I, good. I, I, I don't think Job it was well clunky. At all. It was it was perfect. It was perfect. I feel right at home with you two already. <laughs> I told I, I really do think like you, Elisa, you and Kelsey, I think you guys are going to hit it off. Um, Kelsey, can you what were you got any Super Bowl reactions for oh, us? Yeah. Like, you know, we are we are yeah. still fresh off the Super Bowl. I've been waiting for like two weeks to kind of get your thoughts on the big game. Um, I thought it was wild. I really enjoyed it. But like, I want to hear from an expert here. What do you think of the game? Oh my gosh. So I think the game, it was good. You know, I, I'll tell you guys, it was fun being in Los Angeles for this game, especially because Bengals Nation, the Hootay folks, really showed up and showed out. I woke up to Hootay chants every single morning at my hotel room because my hotel was somehow 90% Cincinnati Bengals fans, Bengals fans, uh, Bengals, Bengals flags hanging from their balconies. Wow. So all I see is orange and just these fantastic. <laughs> fans that have traveled all the way to LA. And then if you guys saw the LA Rams parade, you're really like still, we're still searching for real Rams fans. Like it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's really crazy. But all that to say the game was, I think it was good. It started off hot. I think it kind of got slow towards the middle part. But then as you guys saw, the ending of that game was incredible. Bengals having a chance to complete the comeback, Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald fashion, making the most incredible defensive play. And then the Rams winning OBJ gets the ring. Now he has a new baby. Like I feel like you mm-hmm. couldn't write it any better. And then Los Angeles hosting it and winning the game. And like literally every celebrity that you could think of was at that game. Like I'm leaving out and Tracy Morgan is there with his wife, like walking out just like casually, like this is Super Bowl. LeBron James having his tequila and dancing in the suite. Like, I don't think people realize just how much fun Super Bowl is and how it just brings so many people together for the biggest game I'd say, you know, in the United States. And we're already looking forward to being in Arizona, uh, Ryan next year. But yeah, everything you could think of and more. Think of like a bunch of celebrities and you're planted in and you're watching your favorite sport. That's literally you, the Super Bowl. You can admit it, Kelsey. You're not as excited about going to Arizona as you were to go to Los Angeles. <laughs> not as much as LA. Luckily, it will still be warm weather. And as someone who's in DC, I appreciate that. Like we had our yep. first 70 degree day today, which was so <sighs> fantastic, even though I was stuck on Zoom calls all day. So I was watching it from the window <laughs> that it was 70 degrees. But yeah, Arizona doesn't have as much flash. Sorry for any folks well, listening to this. I was talking, I was talking with a, I was talking with a sports <laughs> radio host about this and we were saying that like whenever you have a fun super bowl city like the nfl mm-hmm. makes you pay for it with just like a not fun nfl city sometimes if it's a really fun city you got like two years in a row where yeah. like it's like so if, if you're gonna be in la like you know your next two are just gonna, like minneapolis jacksonville <laughs> just like you're gonna you gotta you gotta earn like the miami super bowl or the it's la true. super bowl it's true and i'll tell you ryan i feel like i've been spoiled because my first super bowl was atlanta and then Ooh. it was Miami. And then, of course, I didn't go last year because it was virtual, even though some people still went in Tampa. And then we had L.A. So I feel like the NFL was doing this. And now all of a sudden it's like, boop, Arizona. And I would say the same conversation we're having about NBA All-Star. People were like, who's going to Cleveland? And it had snow. <laughs> and then next next year we get Salt Lake City. So it's like, oh we love the NBA. And here is the host cities. Have fun, folks. <laughs> What is your favorite sport to cover? Is it basketball, football, something else? It's definitely football. I grew up in a football household. Ryan, I think, knows my story. But even though I grew up in the DMV, I used to spend my summers in Jackson, Mississippi. And so I am like an East Coast girl with like a Southern twang. And so if you're anywhere down south, football (laughs) is king. That's what I grew up with. My dad went to Grayland State University. So like football was my first love other than my mom and dad. So mom and dad, you guys are still one and two. And then football Mm -hmm. is a close number three. (laughs) (laughs) I love them. 
that's fantastic. Um, so before you came on, Kelsey, we were uh, Elisa was making this excellent point about sort of the rise of independent sports media. Like we're seeing independent media a lot in music and in yeah. live streaming and acting and things, podcasting. Sports is kind of a little late to the party. Elisa, do you want to uh, flesh out what you were talking about? Because I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's it seems interesting that, you know, in terms of things like movie criticism um, or other kind of dissection of pop culture, it feels like the move to virtual, the move to YouTubing and, and, and going on Twitch for that kind of content, you know, seems seems like a natural progression independent creators and everything like 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 ryan is trying to create with this here very podcast in terms of the music industry yeah but it seems like sports feels like still one of those old school institutions where you kind of feel like you have to work your way up to you know go to maybe a worldwide leader say and kind of move your way up through the ranks there at a newspaper or maybe at at a radio station so it feels like this might be a potentially new frontier that that you're an awesome part of i'd love to hear more about that yeah of course you know it's sad when you think about sports being late to the party you know it's like sports come on catch up to the rest of what everyone is doing but you know going back to your guys's points of gen z i think gen z has changed the game and how we look at sports and i think sports uh sports betting has also opened up mm. a brand new wave of new sports digital media companies so one of the companies i had a chance to work with was called the draft network and they're a startup sports company that has just blossomed and expanded and now they're like like huge in football. And this was started by younger people who just wanted to obviously focus on football, focus on the draft, but do it from a digital perspective. And now they're growing like crazy. And as we are all seeing what's happening in sports, people are going like this to their cable bills. We're tired of paying over a hundred dollars for cable, right? We're trying to go to streaming services. And so I think this has given rise to the digital platform. More and more people I see with podcasts like me are putting their podcasts on Roku TV. And that's kind of the new wave. And then I think now too, we know podcasts and sports podcasts Look at someone like Pat McAfee, who has like the number one podcast Mm -hmm. right now. And it's so funny watching him too at the Super Bowl do it live and just all the fans that were so excited to watch him do it live. I mean, he's a perfect example of creating a platform and now companies, you guys saw that big contract he just got um, with like FanDuel. It's it's amazing to see that. So I think sports is a little bit later, but I mean, I think about too, um, Annie uh, that's with Fox Sports now or Bally Sports now, she started on TikTok. She had no job in sports media started making funny TikTok videos and now she's signed to Bally Sports huge contract was out at Super Bowl covering the big game so social media and digital media I think has really changed the game and changed the platform but yeah I think sports companies that's like you used to, you used to have to go to journalism school work your way up in the company and media but now people are like hey I'm just going to create my own platform and that's exactly what I did with my podcast like I got tired of not getting opportunities with sports started my own podcast and luckily it's grown today to now more be like a network where we have an audio show a live stream show we have an internship program that we're doing partnering with different companies and nonprofits and it's just been incredible now and you know now I PR people are reaching out to me to pitch me you know their guests on my show and I've had some of the biggest names on and this just shows what you can grow and then I was able to take my product and work with Fox Sports to put my product on Fox Sports Radio. So this is exactly what's happening. I think I like to call myself a trailblazer and think of myself as one, one of the earlier ones to do it. But I do think we're seeing it happen more than often now, just because so many people like sports. You were on Twitch now. Lots of sports creators now like to be on uh, Twitch, creating sports content for people to follow and watch along. What are all athletes doing now? They're playing games, right, online, and people are watching mm-hmm. them. We're having this conversation in Baltimore with Hollywood Brown, um, who plays with the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens. And people are like, is he going to quit football to just go become a gamer? And we're like, calm down, folks. It's still early <laughs> in his career, right? Like, he, he likes gaming, but he's still going to be producing on the football field. But, like, this is what guys at Super Bowl, we have Madden tournaments. Like, this is what people enjoy doing and enjoy watching. But, yeah, I think the new generation, we're like, we're just, we're not, we're tired of waiting for the jobs to come. You know, we're going to make our own way and our own platform. And now when the way stuff goes viral, I feel like social media has just opened up a whole new can of worms and opportunities for so many that want to work in sports media. Yeah. A commenter writes in something. I do want to continue on that point, but a commenter wrote in something that I think is an interesting trend that we're starting to see the beginning of, and I look forward to seeing it more. The commenter writes, for the longest time, we've mostly had the commentary of whichever announcers we get. Now we have more people who are adding their take, their spin, and people are gravitating to that variety where Mm -hmm. if I want to watch a football game, you know, maybe I don't want to hear Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, even (laughs) though they're great, 
But maybe I'd rather hear a group of four comedians uh, talk about the game. Maybe I would want to hear a a, a group of Dungeons and Dragons players (laughs) talking. Or just maybe whoever my favorite Twitch streamer is. Maybe I want to hear them do commentary. And by the way, if you don't think Amazon has that in mind right now when they get the oh, uh, rights to oh, NFL games. Yeah. <laughs> Some version of that is is in the cards. But like, I love the idea of that could be where announcing is going, where it, it's less yeah. generalist and more I get to hear the people that yeah. I want to hear from tell me what's happening in the game. That could I be fun. That's what we're seeing, right? Like, look at what Peyton and Eli Manning did yes. right? on the Manning cast. Perfect yep. example, right? And they make it fun and witty and they're inviting these special guests. And I knew people that enjoyed watching the game in that format more than just your regular commentators. Because, as we know, people have all their thoughts and feelings about commentators. Some people love them. Some people hate them. Troy Aikman is actually in the news right now trending because it's saying that he might be going to ESPN for a contract that might be bigger um, than Tony Romo. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out um, with ESPN's Monday Night Football broadcast. But I think about when I'm working with the commanders, we hired um, Ancho the boss, and he's a whole like creator on social media, and he had a whole show dedicated to gaming on our NFL platform because it's that big. It's something the players were interested in, and it's something the fans are interested in. So, so many people are investing in this and trying to find different ways. The Commanders, too, we had a chance for fans to actually watch the game along with former former Redskins, now Commanders players, Fred Smoot, uh, who's, of course, somebody that people love. He's funny. He's witty. He's commenting on the game. Rick Doc Walker commenting on the game. So you have these former football legends, right, that are, like, watching the game with fans and commenting and saying their thoughts in real time. And I think that just makes the game kind of more fun. And this is what we're trending to. So I think, again, networks, I think as much as they're giving these big contracts to some of these play-by-play broadcasters in color, uh, they're going to have to think about, I think, adding digital voices, celebrities maybe, even on game broadcasts, to just kind of watch along. I mean, look at Versus. If we're talking about music, look what yes. Versus has yeah. done. Like, we all like watching Versus together. Mm-hmm. And I know that's obviously more in the music uh, broadcast part, but actually, the NBA actually created a NBA version of Versus during NBA All-Star Weekend with Allen Iverson and Tracy McGrady. And so they were showing their highlights and going back and forth on their highlights that all came from the versus platform right and so people love that right we're watching versus together i love being on twitter watching versus and singing along in my apartment and tweeting the lyrics along with everybody else like this is what we enjoy doing so more of us i think want to do stuff together and we like adding different voices on what we're watching yeah let me bring this back now to kelsey nicole nelson the independent creator and (laughs) because you had sort of talked about you know what a lot of young creators are doing now to get started in sports it makes me want to ask this question and i'm i i almost regret having to ask it because you probably get this question (laughs) five times a week if not more and like elisa (laughs) already knows the question i'm sure because of like where this is going so like i just apologies in advance let me just take a breath she's hiding it's like oh god Ryan, i can't believe you're gonna ask this question all right here we go (sighs) kelsey how would you get started in sports if you had to get started today? Do you have any? What should I do to get started in sports? I'm sorry I had to ask, but it's so important. <laughs> Thank you for it's, switching it's it up with the voice animation and making it different, Ryan, in every other way you know that I've been asked. But you know, if I could go back in time, Ryan, I'm still waiting for someone to make that time machine so I can go back and make some more money starting in high school <laughs> and just redoing life all over again. But for me, honestly, I'd be creating content and putting it on social media. So till this day, I have a, <laughs> I, I love the comment. I have a TikTok account, Ryan. I have yet to make my first TikTok video. So if I can go back, you'd be so good be on TikTok. TikTok crea- I would be a TikTok creator, honestly, and put my sports perspectives, honestly, and just on TikTok and just make it kind of fun that way. Like the video we just watched, I thought it was so interesting how she explained that in layman terms mm-hmm. um, and breaking it down. And like you said, unfortunately, even though I'm a big proponent of reading, Ryan, we know people have t- like, their, their imaginations and what they can pay attention to, it's like this big. Like you have to get people, you have to reel them in and then you have to keep them in before they're on to the next thing. And I think that's why TikTok is so great. I would put my reel on social media much earlier, like in high school mm-hmm. and hopefully go viral and have companies coming to me and fighting for me, Ryan, <laughs> instead of me sending out job applications and looking at my emails and saying, no, 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 no. I'd rather them be fighting for me. So I think it's honestly all just branding myself earlier and getting my content 
content on social media so it can go to the masses. That's something I didn't even do till late in college, Ryan, what I knew about the power of social media and what it could do. And I'm talking to someone who's had a friend that got a job, her first job in sports media after her reel went viral while she was in college in Georgia. So it works, people. It works. If you can go back to young people, don't be me and get old and wait too late. <laughs> do it now. Put it on social media. Even your TikTok videos. Push it on social media. Don't just let it live on the TikTok app. Put it on your Facebook. Put it on your Twitter. Put it on your LinkedIn. Make sure people are seeing you everywhere so that they want more. And so it sounds like don't wait to create, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. get, get the stuff out there and don't and don't try to do like maybe what the strategy was 20 years ago where it's like, I'm going to put together a reel when I'm at, get my, you know, getting my communications degree. Right. And then I'm going to send that reel to all the sports networks <laughs> and one of them will hire me. No, exactly. like you're saying, don't do that anymore. Just create, create, create. And, yes. and they'll come to you. And, and they'll come to you. This is what we're seeing athletes do now too. Now we see athletes pairing with these creators to make their highlight reels and tapes in colleges and universities now are coming to them. Like Joe Burrow is actually the perfect example. Like Joe Burrow had to send his tape out to so many people to get a look and get invited to a combine camp. We just saw Joe Burrow folks in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, so just think about that. Like now you can, I mean, so many athletes now are just reaching out to these people online saying, hey, here's all the tape I have. Can you make something cool about it? They're putting it on social media and coaches and athletes are reaching out to them that way. So now it's even easier to find you um, online and on social media. So don't be afraid of digital. Don't be afraid of social media. Embrace it and use it to the maximum ability. And that's particularly great advice for athletes, especially in light of like the new rules about name, image and likeness. Like if you can build that brand for yourself, you can actually make money on it while you're still in college. Exactly. Exactly. And how exciting is that? And I have so many former athletes on my show and they're like, Kelsey, man, like we were asking for this in school if we only had this. But now the fact that athletes have that, it's incredible. So use it to your advantage. I think a lot of people that have done this is actually female athletes. A lot of them have large followings on social media. And unfortunately, we know they're not getting the exposure that they need to be getting from these broadcast companies, even though they're trying to increase. We just saw ESPN put uh, college game day at University of South Carolina, but it needs to be so much more. But companies are now reaching out to these athletes through their social media accounts, seeing their followings, wanting them to advertise their brands. It's the perfect time for college athletes to get these endorsement deals. And as you said, Ryan, start making this money in college. You don't have to wait until you hopefully go pro. You don't have to wait. I have to wait and think about getting in trouble if my coach finds out or my school or university <laughs> finds out. Like the time is now capitalized on it because there's many folks that wish they were in your shoes to be able to do the same thing. It is an exciting development for for women athletes in particular. I think the first big NIL deal that was struck uh, right after yeah. the, the floodgates opened was like a was it like a women's lacrosse player or like a women's soccer player who had like a really big following yeah. on Instagram already. Yep, exactly. And then she's like, "Oh, I can monetize this now. Let's do it." <laughs> exactly, because they already have the followings. I mean, now it's yeah. like if you're talking to younger people; they probably have a bigger audience than you, right? Just because they kind of grew up with the social media generation. Like I'm talking, you know, I'm talking to people now that have like millions of followers. You know, five hundred thousand followers in high school <laughs> so they already have that reach and advertisers what do they want to do what is they want to make sure that they're reaching the people that you already have on your platform you make their job easier because now they don't have to hire somebody and wait for them to build up their social media following you already have that you're already where it's at so let's just latch on and then job done i can dust my hands off and you know just relax go back uh, go to cabo go to cancun and just let watch the money work for itself right and that's the great thing about it ryan so college athletes now i hope you're taking advantage of it for you i hope your phone is ringing off the hook with people asking for advice on how to monetize off of this and capitalize off of this because it was huge we were fighting for this for a long time and now it's finally here for athletes to take advantage of it's a very exciting development. And I do love the idea of a bunch of athletes finding their way to programs like this one to yes. sort of learn the lessons that we've been talking about for <laughs> a dang near a decade about these things because they apply to athletes now more than ever. Athletes, you are indie creators now too. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome Le- to the show, folks. <laughs> Le- legitimately, one of my first follows on TikTok was Ilona Marr, who's a uh, on the women's Olympic rugby team. Love her. She's, wow. she's hilarious. And 
you know, gorgeous and strong and, and yeah. amazing. Um, but she's, she's hilarious and it's, and her, her charisma is just infectious. And I hope that in addition to getting more, more eyes on rugby, I, I, I hope she's, I hope she's yeah. getting touched. And that's huge. Like you said, and getting that money, you know, yes. off those, off the, I mean, I had Omari Bailey on my show. And for folks that don't know him, he plays with LeBron James' son, Bronny, out in California. His mom was dating Drake. So better believe he had over $500,000 in high school, um, already getting licks from DC, uh, D1 schools like UCLA. So better believe they're already looking at him in high school. He's already doing stuff in high school. But when he goes to college, it's going to be elevated even more because of his reach and the possibilities that he had. So like you said, I mean, take advantage of these opportunities. When you have your brand and you built it, you better capitalize off of it. You better make money off of it because um, that's what's important. And again, this is what so many want. We have March Madness coming up. Think about the exposure that these athletes are about to get with the March Madness tournament and how many NIL deals hopefully will be struck because they see the, the new attention that these athletes are going to be getting as we're all glued to our TV screen. Of course. Be <laughs> Especially because March Madness every year without fail always gives us like that one guy from like that random <laughs> mid-major school who like you know he like you know he, he looks weird or he wears like big glasses or something and then just balls right. up some dude from georgetown and gets like a million followers on twitter and now that guy can like you know make some real money which is exciting exactly. all right uh, exactly. we, we got a few minutes left here kelsey and, and I, I i'd be remiss if i didn't uh, talk about some of the stuff you do in the education space because that's actually how we met was uh, in our work yeah. in the education field and then i found out you're this cool sports person too but <laughs> Uh, you you are the founder of an organization called Books Breaking Borders. Uh, can you tell folks a little bit about this? Yeah, of course. So Books Breaking Borders, Books to End Educational Bankruptcy. It was founded back in 2013 when I was an undergraduate student at the University of Maryland. And essentially, I founded it because, one, I was teaching in college. I worked in Prince George's County Public Schools. I was working at a school called Templeton Elementary School through the America Reads, America Counts program. And something that was just heartbreaking was the amount of students that just couldn't even read basic instructions. And yet alone, you expect them to do homework and be able to follow along. And this is something that's near and dear to my heart. It's a problem all across the country, right? And this is why my passion in sports and entertainment is hand in hand. But essentially, I founded this because I was one of those people. My parents said, you know, if you see a problem, well, you have to make the solution. And that's something that I wanted to do with my group. So right now, it's a community action project, working with cool folks like Ryan to turn it into a nonprofit, which I'm super excited about. And actually, hopefully going to be going global with this group. Right before this call, I had a conversation um, with the GM of a radio station in Canada that wants to bring the program out there. We're also talking about bringing it to London. So it's a pretty exciting time for my program, which I'm super excited about. But we do book drives, um, giving free books and culturally relevant books to students. And these are books that are actually hard copy, like I love, and also Kindles. Um, we also do spelling bees. Um, and I think spelling bees are just huge. I remember watching Akeel and the Bee growing up, and I thought that was just the coolest thing, especially to see somebody that looked like me doing something so prevalent. And actually, our Scripps National Champion right now is a young black girl from Louisiana. So just talk about, you know, what that does for students to be able to get free prizes and just focus on education in a fun way. We do parent workshops because it's one thing to teach the child how to read and write and do math. But when you educate that whole family, you're making that whole family stronger. And families are the true foundation of so many of our communities. So we do free parent workshops where we're actually reading along together, answering questions and kind of going over uh, comprehension um, and things like that. So it's super fun. We do a lot of great stuff. I hope everyone follows along. Again, it's called Books Breaking Borders because we believe books truly break borders. And we're very proud to hopefully help make sure that the future is literate. And that's making sure that every single person is literate and hoping to hopefully end the achievement gap that currently exists, not just in the U.S., but across the globe. Um, and making sure that we produce children that are able to graduate and do whatever that they do, whatever they want to do, whether that be TikTok stars, whether that be the next <laughs> LeBron James, whether that be the next indie star, like that's what we're focused on. So, yeah, um, thank you so much for mentioning it. And people can check it out at BooksBreakingBorders.com. Cool. All right. So here's here's the big challenge here, the big finish. We All have. Right. 65 <laughs> seconds left right, before we right, lose right, radio. Right. One last question, okay? <laughs> Same question we end with every guest with, and you have now 57 seconds to answer okay. it because I keep talking. <laughs> Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? You know, I'd say keep going. And I, my big thing is always bet on yourself. I think far too often, especially when I was younger, I let other people get in my ear and tell me what I can't do, but I know everything that I can do. And so it's pushing yourself and knowing that you don't need anybody to believe in you as long as you believe in yourself. So that'd be my biggest piece of advice. 
You can do it. You can make it. You can achieve it. And just make sure you have an action plan behind every dream that you have. And that action plan is going to steer you on your road to success. And one more thing I'll add, you never fall down. Sometimes you just get turned around. So always know how to pivot. Whoa, I hope I did it. that in time, Ryan. Love it. Yep. <laughs> Visit our guest at KelseyNicoleNelson.com and www.BrooksBreakingBorders.com. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining thank us this so week. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I'm going to check out that TikTok video again because I'm learning some things. <laughs> all right. So, no, thank you so much for having me. Such you a bet. fun show. And, and thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate you bet. It. <laughs> and thank you all for checking out Break the Business. We will see you Bye. next week. Bye, guys.